0: Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by human synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Before we get going on today's show, I want to invite you to come along to our annual Culture and Leadership Conference. So it's happening this August in Melbourne uh, on the 29th, and then in Sydney on the 5th of September. We've also got a conference in New Zealand. So it's in Christchurch on the 9th of September, Auckland on the 10th and Wellington on the 11th. Got tons of great speakers and it would be awesome to have you come along. There'll be a link to both of those conferences in the notes of the show. So check it out. All right, but that's it. Let's get into today's show. Welcome to Culture Bites. This week on the show, I'm joined by Jared McMahon. Good to have you here, Jared.
1: Thanks for having me, Dom.
0: And so you're one of the founders of Shape Group. And so Shape are a professional services company that specialises in the fit out and refurbishment industry. And so if you're a frequent traveler, you've probably seen one of their fit outs for the Qantas lounges. That's right. All around the, the country. And they're uh, pretty cool. And someone who would know about that is uh, our general manager of Human Statistics Australia, David Byram, because he sees a lot of them.
2: That is exactly right, Dom. I do a little bit of travel and I do see the high quality work um, that the Shape Group do in those Qantas lounges. It's, it's very impressive. It's high quality. Yeah, I love it.
0: We want to take a bit of a different approach on this one, Jared. So I think what's, what's really interesting for us is kind of around your role as, as a leader and particularly as one of the founders, you know, and, and the role you play in the culture of Shape and role modeling, I guess, as a leader. So I guess, you know, first question for me is what is the importance of having having founders, having leaders who who lead from the front?
1: Well, someone said to me, uh, leaders cast a very long shadow.
0: Aha, uh-huh. especially founders. So you,
1: you are being watched and to some extent you'll be watched in terms of this is how I'm expected to behave around here, which is uh. the one of the technical yeah. definitions of culture, how uh. we measure culture. Uh. So leadership to me and we found that leadership, very much drives culture and culture in turn drives performance. Uh We've tried tried and succeeded to a pretty good extent over the last five or six years at Shape to very much promote a constructive style in our leaders. And I say that cautiously in that we don't want to create robots. It's not a McDonald's factory. It's not a, a production line. So we want people to be themselves. At the same time, we want them to be questioning, to be supportive of their people, not to be less directive, more supportive. I used the term, I think, in the last uh, podcast about we want our people and our leaders particularly to be debate makers, not decision makers. Mm. I think that's a great distinction between humanistic, encouraging and affiliative styles and in the constructive zone and moving down into the aggressive zone, the poorer relations or cousins or oppositional style which is one that I have fought, uh-huh. and that's deeply ingrained in me from schooling, upbringing, etc. My early career in the industry was pretty much that was environment. That's, that's how I thought I was expected you to gotta,
0: behave. Got to be the boss.
1: Yeah, the boss is pretty decisive, and uh, it's uh, we're here to get things done, and we don't have a lot of time for um, this so-called softer skills. Uh-huh. Um, and I've learned that actually. The soft skills are the hard skills, and I do rail against that term whenever I hear it, the soft yeah. skills, because they're, they're the hard skills, the people's skills. Uh-huh. Uh, my background's finance and accounting. I, I don't think they're particularly they're technical skills, but they can be learned, as can more effective behaviors, but they're harder to learn than uh, how to take out a uh, profit and loss statement and a balance sheet, uh-huh. in my experience anyway. And I don't think I'm a particularly good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very good coach though.
2: So at Shape, leadership is paramount and you've, you've led from the front by becoming accredited in your own right. I think it's important for everybody to understand that how you spend your time now as a founder in the business. So how would you characterize you spend most of your
1: time? Well, my title is uh, leadership and organizational development. So I'm not working full time in the business anymore. I work uh, about six months a year in uh, differing blocks. So I'm very lucky in that respect. That's all part of a a wider succession plan. So my main role as that title would suggest is uh, a lot of one-on-one coaching. So I'm coaching about 70 70 or 80 of our people using the LSI diagnostic tool. Uh, So, and I became accredited in or this, the whole suite, I guess, of HS tools. Thinking six, seven years ago, the first thing I'd say about the accreditation process—it was really, really powerful for my personal development. Mm. And I guess, as with all things, uh, a little bit more experience, I've become better. I think, as a coach, between that personal, the personal improvement that came out of the accreditation process, and then practice, mm. and the. Thing with coaching is no one debrief or catch up is the same, so uh-huh. there's infinite variety, and thank God there is. Thank God, <laughs> we're, all, thank God we're all different. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, the back to leadership, the role of leadership is to mould all those different personalities into a highly performing team. What do you think are the
2: signals, the messages, you know, those unwritten rules of culture that are being sent by having Jared McMahon
1: accredited? And coaching 70 leaders. or oh, that the organization is very serious about culture and it's very serious about having a constructive culture. Ah. And with that seriousness about having a constructive culture, I hope comes fun, <laughs> which might seem a little paradoxical, but uh, a constructive culture is built. A big part of it is people genuinely enjoying coming to work and having fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we
1: shouldn't, and we shouldn't resolve from that. We wanted many years ago, we were coming up with uh, our values, as all all companies do, the Uh four values. And we wanted, and this is the founder group, largely, uh, back uh, 20 years ago, probably, we wanted just the word fun as one of our values. And the consultants at the time said, no, no, you're a serious corporate. It can't be fun. So we settled on, as committees do, what do they say about committees? Is a a camel is a horse designed by a committee? I think it's the old saying. We settled on the word character. Fun would have been much better. I think fun's a lot better. Yeah. But anyway, we've still got character, so yes, <laughs> the, the wheels turn slowly.
2: But you do need to have fun. You have to. We have to enjoy what we do. So you're actually setting the scene. You're setting the tone as a founder in the business. Still a founder and a great growing business, and also a board member. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the role of the board in supporting the leadership and the culture, and how it drives
1: the future success of the business? Oh, fundamental. If our executive leaders cast a long shadow, I guess the the board as a whole casts a longer shadow. And in our case, it's a good shadow. Now we've uh, I think a lot of companies don't put enough thought or science into how they appoint Mm. independent directors. Uh, We've been guilty of that Mm. in the past. We've got a lot better at it. So again, we're hiring. We hire our people for character fit, and uh, character fit and cultural fit is a big part. Of um, our assessment on independent independent board members, it's
2: fantastic. It's certainly leading, and so we've got the CEO leading. Yourself accredited, and we have Kate, who was on our earlier podcast, as accredited, and several of Kate's team. But I think if we talk leadership and the the role modelling impact. Would you like to share some insight that who else is accredited to debrief and coach and support in your
1: organisation? Because it is quite unique. Mm. We have about 15 internally accredited practitioners now. I think the people you're, you're wanting me to mention, uh, our chief financial officer is an accredited uh-huh. practitioner. Our chief strategy officer is an accredited practitioner. And i love to cu- quote our chief uh, strategy officer, George Paniturell. We've all heard the hackneyed phrase, people are our most important asset and they come up and down in the lift every day, blah, blah, blah. George says, people aren't our most important asset, they're our only asset and we're essentially a professional services business and the only point of difference we can offer into the marketplace is our people. So in that sense, yes, if I put my old uh, financial director's hat on, yes, we have other assets Hmm. on our balance sheet clearly, but at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, our only asset is our people. Yeah, it's, it's good insight. So you've got
2: your chief strategy officer your chief financial officer, founder, group exec, people, culture, marketing—that mm-hmm. are uh, leading the charge with very supportive
1: CEOs. Yep. And if I keep keep answering that question, uh, we have uh, two or three of our senior site site people, uh, site managers, are accredited, and uh-huh. they're making a huge difference to the way we engage with uh, our subcontractors, who are critical to our success. So we're really uh, cultures really quite immersive through the organization now.
0: Yeah, and spe- speaking of, you know, leaders casting a shadow, you know, that's a fantastic shadow to be casting, right? It's saying, you know, the executive team are accredited and coaching people and getting one-on-one with people. Wow,
1: what a message. And I'll say it again, I think the accreditation process itself has made made them much better leaders as well. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. So what are you doing now to support your leaders so if we look at your executive leadership groups so you've got the group exec and the senior leadership team how do you maintain the support for them how do you continue to grow and develop those leaders because it doesn't stop no it's a continuous
1: program and uh i've probably i've done four or five tests and retests using the individual diagnostic tools both leadership uh, sorry lifestyles inventory and leadership impact and i've been on a a roller coaster with my 360 feedback particularly as the organization. And we go back to a board, if the board had quite an aggressive strategy at one point in terms of top-line growth, diversification into areas that weren't quite our core and talk about boards throwing a long shadow, my behaviors became more aggressive as well. And that was a real wake-up call to me, uh, that 360 feedback. And supporting the leaders now? So,
2: so supporting the group exec and the SLT, how do you maintain it for
1: them? Well, our leadership program's continuous, as I said. Mm. So there's retests run with the diagnostic tools every 12 to 24 months. There's uh, six monthly catch-ups. But I think more importantly than those sort of process-driven, that's it, quite process-driven and they're great tools. And the catch-ups are powerful with uh, the people's individual coaches. I coach maybe half the team and uh DB, coach a few of our senior people as well. Whilst those catch-ups are important, what's really important is what I call the informal 360 feedback that happens day to day in a constructive environment. And in our very much, you know, in our shapes corporate vocabulary, uh, the words defensive, pass, uh, sorry, aggressive, passive, and constructive. And you won't be in a shape office or on a shape site, I don't think for more than a couple of hours without someone coaching someone else, that might've, do you think that might've been a bit aggressive the way you just spoke to that person? Mm. Do you think there might've been a better way? And that is totally 360, those conversations. There's n- we're not big on hierarchy. Mm. At shape. So I've been coached by a building cadet who'd been with us for about six months after yeah, right. I could have done better answering a question in a meeting. I probably didn't answer it. Oh, well, I made a statement. And I didn't take that golden moment to think before responding. I got the, I got the feedback after the meeting. Jared, remember what you were saying at the induction course? Can I just, maybe you could have approached that a bit better. Wow. Now, that, that's powerful. Yeah. Said, absolutely, awesome. Absolutely, I could have. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Amazing that they obviously felt comfortable yep. giving that feedback yep. too, which speaks to the culture, yep. speaks volumes.
1: And I think
2: that informal 360 is the power of the culture you've created. And that's when I
1: kept probing, that's what I was looking for because I know what happens. Yeah. And- and that's where the rubber hits the road. You can have your the formal programs, and they're they're really important. Mm-hmm. And I, I might here I'm not here to plug uh, Human Synergistics. There's a lot of good diagnostic tools out there. The 360 feedback though, out of LSI, is like it's the best mirror. Look in the mirror, you will ever ever get. And as I said, I've seen some <laughs> some different Jared's in the mirror <laughs> on my journey in the And you, you <laughs> either. Take it on board. You can say, "Well, that doesn't matter." Or I, had an excuse to act that way, uh-huh. you know, for the last year because the company's strategic direction. Well, that doesn't cut it. But the only, the only thing I need to do is act more constructively. Yeah, and I think if I want to get better results, and I think that's the key, right? It's the look in the mirror to
2: be better. I suppose the key. and I asked you about personal impact on our first podcast with you. Slightly different flavour of question today. Mm-hmm. What do you think are your three greatest learnings? As a leader, building a constructive culture,
1: listen more, ask more open questions, move forward decisively with uh, the outputs of of listening more and uh, asking more questions. So, again, I hate the term groupthink. Groupthink's great if it's created in the right environment. Group outcomes will always, or group decisions, Shared group decisions will always outperform, in my experience and Shape's experience, outperform leaders' individual decisions.
2: Yeah, awesome. I think uh, that's very insightful, right? Listen more, ask more open questions, and then act decisively. Can you give some examples of where you've
1: done that well? I'll probably default to where I haven't done it well. (laughs) And that's, again, 360 feedback's important. I'm digressing a little bit here, Sorry. Uh, 360 feedback is really important, but self coaching is really important too, yeah, and self awareness. Right. Ha- I should have handled that better. Let me, let's start again. Can we start that conversation again? Yeah. I'm sorry, I could have handled that better. Now let's have a discussion about that rather than me perhaps shutting down the conversation. We're in the middle of, to answer your question, we're in the middle of our annual culture survey debriefs now with all the state operations. And one of my big learnings, it's year four of debriefing all the state operations and each year in those sessions, and there's always areas for improvement when we drill down, whether it's by job role, by gender, all the different demographic cuts we get, I sit back and listen. I put the data up and I listen to the leadership teams talk it through Ah. in the state. They always come up, I think, with pretty much where I'd have perhaps guided them, but it's much more powerful when they've come up with the solution, not the consultant or the mm. you know the part-timer perhaps telling them what what I think they should do much more powerful and it's it's got much much better chance of being executed successfully yeah. that decision and the thing I love and I said it to our team in New South Wales yesterday just uh, did the debrief yesterday afternoon I didn't hear for, in two and a half hours I didn't hear one within the areas for improvement've we've, we've got lots of them I didn't hear one defensive comment. Like, oh, you know, that's just a group that's a bit whingy or, yeah, well, they're always going to be like that. It's that generation or, yeah, if it's an age demographic, it was how do we fix this? That's this what, all. This is what the people are telling us and it's on, on us to start the fix and then the start of the fix is to go and consult
2: um, with brilliant. those groups. Ownership. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. And I think that's living what you've just said in terms of listening and asking open questions and letting people come to those conclusions. And you're obviously doing something well because you have not only grown a constructive culture, you've sustained it, which is often as challenging as it is in terms of
1: shifting the dial in keeping it up there. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And we're, we're mindful not to become complacent because I think complacency sits, sits down in one of the defensive zones. And uh, if you're complacent and resting on your laurels, you're only heading one way and that's backwards. And I think... One
2: of the things that stands Shape Group aside from a lot of organizations is that you're actually challenging yourselves in the broader impact you have in society now. You're actually getting out and Uh working with your subcontractors. You're working with your affiliated partners, provide support, and helping those organizations with their culture and their leadership journey. And I think that's a testament to your openness to listen, ask good, open questions, and being decisive. So I'd say, well done. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty awesome that I know I've talked to Kate
0: Evans, who was on the last podcast when we were all together, about some of the work around bringing in subbies and you know how are we going to work together? How are we actually going to do it? And and I know I've heard at least that a bunch of them now you know they choose Shape, right? They choose to work for Shape mm. with Shape because they know that they get treated with respect and so on. And,
1: and that get, that's incredibly important. For us, in terms of being uh, having a point of difference in the marketplace, mm.
0: yeah, and I imagine if you have subbies who actually, you know, go out of their way to want to work with you, you're going to get better results mm. from them.
1: Well, it's a, it's to deliver the sorts of projects, the complex projects we deliver in the timeframes we deliver them. You just have to be working working as a team with the subbies, uh, with the consultants, and the client. You just can't get there otherwise. If you if it's a blame game and finger pointing. Or, this bit's not right. Whose fault's that? You just don't, you just can't get there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's about being solutions focused. And that's that
0: constructive versus aggressive yep. kind of cultures. And, and there's the ripple out, right? So that's our subbies who are kind of outside of our direct organization, but yep. an important partner, as well as customers yep. feel that too.
1: And in terms of customer service, I saw a great call to arms recently. Uh, the call to arms simply said, say yes and then find a way. I think that's, uh, Impossible to achieve that sort of approach unless the organisation has developed a highly constructive culture. Yeah, uh, you, people just won't go that extra yard unless they're highly engaged.
0: Yeah, it's in it's in that achievement, self actualizing space. Mm-hmm. Could possibly come from somewhere else, I suppose, if it's not for the right intentions. But you know, if you have that right culture, it's coming from the the right place.
2: Sure. Yeah, I think from a customer service centricity. People will never ask a question with a uh, bad intent in mind. So they need something. So how do we understand that? Yes. And how do we help you meet that need? Whatever that goal is, mm. how can we help and support you? It's a great. How might we? How might we? It's a great call to arms. I think maybe a, a good note to wrap up on. What do you reckon?
1: Sounds like a good note to wrap on for me.
0: We can, uh, we can go with that one. So say yes, then find a way. Right. Love it.
1: Thank you for having me and thanks for all. HS's support over the years, you've been fundamental to our success. We just couldn't have got there uh, without, lot. most importantly, you people. And the tools are great, but the tools are only as good as, as the people.
0: Well, it's been a, I think it's been a pleasure working with you guys as well. So, And yeah.
2: for many more years to come. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jared. Uh, you are a uh, great role model for all the Shapians and, more importantly, uh, a bigger role model for others to follow in society. So well done. Congratulations. Great results. Keep doing what you're doing. And just on that note, if listeners out there want to learn more about the shape story, we've got
0: a, a video from a previous conference where Kate Evans, who is the general manager of um, People and Culture, presented the Shape Story basically at, at the conference. Was it last year or the year before? Last year.
2: Yeah. Last year. Yeah.
0: Which is an awesome story. So check that out. I'll, I'll put a link to it in the the notes of this podcast so you can go there and have a look. As well.
1: And I think the, the powerful thing about that presentation, and we probably haven't touched on it in this podcast, is the correlations between culture and traditional measures of business success. Mm. And look, I'm I'm pretty frank when I'm presenting on why we've built a constructive culture and why we want to maintain it. Mm. Um, we're driven by outcomes. We have shareholders. We're a for, for-profit organization. Mm. We're serious about, that said, we're serious about our involvement in the wider community. And we're proud of what we do in a corporate social responsibility sense. But at the end of the day, we have um, shareholders who've invested risk capital and they expect a return Mm -hmm. on capital, quite rightly. And uh, I say uh, at the start of presentations, if our data showed that an aggressive culture produced better outcomes to the stakeholders, that's what we would promote. Wouldn't like it much and it wouldn't be much fun, but that's what we would promote. However, our data very, very strongly suggests and correlates to the fact that the more constructive the culture is, the better those historic measures of so called business success are. And that's across safety, it's across financial, it's across customer satisfaction.
0: That's why we do it. Beautiful. Love it. Thanks for your time today, Jared. Thanks again. Thanks, Jared.